When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Football. You know, he's played outstanding really last month or so, you know, maybe a little longer, playing with great physicality, effort to the ball. He's doing a lot better in, in his pass rushing. I think there were some times the other day that he showed up quite a bit on it. Come on! Football! That was Mike Zimmer talking about Anthony Barr, who is uh, the subject of one of our polls on the, the 1500 ESPN Twitter account. And let's just pose this question to Matthew. So Matt, Matthew Collar, Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. Uh, do you think the Vikings use Anthony Barr in the right way? Or if you if you had the keys to uh, to the defense, how, how would you employ Anthony Barr in a way that was most effective based on his skill sets? So I guess I would answer this by saying I, I think that he is often used the right way, maybe not always used the right way, and he definitely isn't used exactly how he thinks he should be used. So... Uh, Anthony Barr has made it more clear to us than any player ever has that he doesn't like his role, that he would prefer to be coming after the passer on every play as opposed to dropping back in coverage. And he said it the other day after the game. He said it today in the locker room. That's what he wants to do. And I wonder if that would be a a sticking point for him about re-signing a long-term contract to stay with the Vikings, a guy who has not been asked to be a pure pass rusher, but when he has, has been really successful. I mean, he brings up that he doesn't have big sack statistics, but I I think anyone in the statistical community looks at him as an extremely successful pass rusher. I mean, this year he's created 21 hurries on 89 pass rush snaps, so basically one out of every five or less, uh, he's getting in in the passer's face and and affecting the quarterback. That's, That's a really good rate. And he's basically had that for his entire career, and you saw it on Sunday. When they send him, he does a great job of getting to the quarterback, and, and you'd like to see that more often. At the same time, he is also good at other things. I mean, he's not a perfect cover linebacker, but outside of one game against the Rams, he's been pretty solid in coverage, and he's very smart, and you can ask him to do a lot of different things, and, and he has good versatility. And if he has a consistent effort level, I think that's what it's really been about and he has had that over like the past five or six weeks or so, then he is one of the better linebackers in the league, and he can fulfill that potential, and he looks much more like a player you'd want to lock yourself into long-term. So your best guess, if the Vikings go to Barr, 
with an offer of a contract extension, and he says, you know, I like you, but I don't necessarily agree with how I've been used, and therefore I'm going to explore the market. What do you think the odds are now, given what we've seen from him, that the Vikings say, okay, we're going to slap the franchise tag on you, you're not going anywhere? So there's an interesting dynamic here at play with Everson Griffin that I think affects Anthony Barr. They can move on from Everson Griffin next year for almost no penalty or none at all. And Stephen Weatherly has really come along, but Stephen Weatherly couldn't dominate as a pass rusher. But some sort of combination of Anthony Barr rushing off the edge and Stephen Weatherly might do the job. And if you look at the age of Everson Griffin, how much he's supposed to get paid, and where his production has gone, I mean, it's basically slumped to almost nothing. Uh, there have been multiple games where he's been shut out of even getting a pressure, which you never would have seen before. And when you're talking about aging pass rushers, especially ones that have had some other issues, you wonder if he's going to be worth uh, continuing to, to pay as much as he's going to want to pay. So if he doesn't take a restructured contract, uh, you know, the, I mean, the Vikings might have to make a move there. So I, I think there are moving parts here. I mean, do they want to keep Trey Wayne's long-term? I don't think they do with the fact that they uh, drafted Mike Hughes. And I think that they really like Mike Hughes and see him as sort of the, the answer to eventually letting Trey Wayne's go. So there's, there's a lot of different things there. And I, so I do think that if they sign him to a bigger contract, that they would continue to rush him, maybe not every play, but more in those big situations like they have recently, and especially off the edge because he is so good at it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to listen to uh, the, the latest Purple Podcast episode that you just uh, posted and recorded with uh, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus, but what what can you tell us about the Vikings' chances of uh, every different possible thing, playoffs, non-playoffs, all the way up to winning the Super Bowl? So... Initially, when Daniel Carlson booted wide right to, uh, uh, you know, lose that game in Green Bay and, uh, or not lose it, but cause a tie, uh, Judd and I looked at each other and said, oh no, these ties are going to ruin our life come playoff time. But actually, they haven't. They've made things fairly simple here. Uh, since Washington and Philly play each other week 17, if Washington and Philly both win, or if, or if one of them wins, then we'll be watching week 17. Uh, but that's only if the Vikings lose one of their two games. So if the Vikings win both their games, they're all set, they're in. If they lose one of these two games, then they're watching Washington-Philly in Week 17, unless both of those teams lose this week. So it's really that simple. You're you're watching those two teams to see what they do. One of them has to win both of their games, and the Vikings would have to lose one in order for the Vikings to miss the playoffs. But, you know, Philly's got a tough game against Houston. They are at home. Uh, Philly is so that helps them quite a bit Uh, I don't know if uh, Josh Johnson is going to lead Washington to a pair of wins here but really I mean it's about the Vikings taking care of business to get into the playoffs and then see where they go from there Uh, I want to know is there a scenario in which the Vikings are rooting for a Washington Philadelphia tie in week 17 (laughs) Uh, you know maybe but I don't know what that scenario would be I mean if now they would have a tiebreaker over Philly, but maybe not over Washington. That might come down to the uh, the point differential or something weird with that. So I'm, I'm not I'm not certain, but I think a tie would still put the Vikings in the playoffs if they ended up with the same exact record as those two teams. But that's the one I didn't check. So thanks for asking. R- rooting for a tie. H- how football are you? Is the very Vikings like for 2018? 
Hey, what what's your um, takeaway on Sunday's game as far as this? I think the Lions have quit, but I think the fear, if you're the Vikings and Zim in particular, is that your players pretty much know that and go in there thinking that they can show up and win. Should there be fear of that? Because that would be that's the only fly in the ointment that I can think of is if the Vikings go into Detroit thinking these guys hate Patricia, they aren't going to try, and that's where you show up and can potentially have problems, Matthew. So the way I look at this is, you know, we would have all bet Seattle a million times over to beat the 49ers, and yet the 49ers came away with an OT win. I mean, we see this all the time where anybody can beat anybody. Uh, The Tennessee Titans are right in the mix. They lost to Buffalo. And it's almost, I mean, this team, this Vikings team lost to Buffalo. So anybody is capable of it. And the one thing that could be problematic is I have no idea what the Dolphins were doing against the Vikings run. I just it was it was baffling. They were putting the defensive ends way wide, and every time they ran the outside zone, Delvin Cook just cut it back up through a massive hole and got big gains. Uh, I can tell you that the Detroit Lions are not going to be that foolish, and they have two really good interior defensive linemen, especially Snacks Harrison, who's one of the best uh, nose tackles I think in the entire NFL at stopping the run. I love that name. It's a great name. Yeah. Great name. Oh, yes, it's wonderful. Uh, you could thank Rex Ryan for that one, uh, giving that to Damon Harrison, but. You know, I mean, that that makes things different, though. And they have some talent at linebacker, and their defense has actually played pretty well. They were the first team to start giving uh, the Rams some problems, and then everyone has copied a few things that they did against the Rams. So, I mean, Matt Patricia may be a buffoon of a head coach, but it, working for Bill Belichick as his defensive coordinator, the man is not completely stupid, right? I mean, so I, I would look at them and say maybe they, they could slow down some of the things the Vikings do. The Vikings did not have a huge offensive day when they played Detroit at U.S. Bank Stadium, so that would be the only concern. Uh, I would still suspect that the Vikings defense is way too good for an offense in Detroit that has been uh, just taken apart from trading uh, Golden Tate to carry on Johnson being on IR. I mean, it, they have no one uh, to make plays, but if they got into one of those ugly you know, 13, 10 games or something like that that we've been seeing around the league over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, then it does leave the door open for Detroit. Yeah. So uh, so today is early National Signing Day in the college football world. Then the actual National Signing Day is it? It's in February, I think. Yeah. Uh, as the football man that you are, Matthew Collar, uh, to what degree are you into uh, National Signing Day among the college ranks? Mm, uh, I would say uh, probably a zero out of ten. Yeah, it's I, I'm with you. So I, you're from and you, and you're from uh, the northeast portion of the country in, in New York, Buffalo, New York, and obviously we're here in the Twin Cities. I feel like unless you're SEC country, maybe Pac-12 country, it's not even really on your radar. I mean, if you're rooting for Rutgers or the Gophers, yeah. I guess it, it shows Chip that you Scoggins don't care. Loves about, it, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, it, that's totally a Southern football thing. Uh, Courtney Cronin, our uh, Purple Podcast co-host, uh, she used to cover that and talks about it all the time and what a big deal it was and, you know, getting uh, to know all these recruits and everything else. And it's something that is not even the slightest bit on my radar. And, I mean, the, the same goes for kind of like college football in general of will, will guys be NFL prospects or not. Until we get to the end of the NFL season, all the bowl games are done, the Senior Bowl happens, I, I, I don't like to start thinking about who could be in the NFL draft. Like, I'm not watching throughout the college 
season thinking, oh, could this guy be in the draft? Because so much changes so quickly with players of that age, and it's even more so when it comes to these recruits. I mean, how, what percentage of five-star recruits will make any difference for even their Division One schools, right? I mean, it's, it's probably a pretty low percentage, and a lot of the guys in the NFL end up being two-star, three-star recruits and things like that, so I, I've never really paid much attention to it. Did you see who was going to make a return to the National Football League as a member of the Oakland Raiders? Now, uh, I know you're talking about Nathan Peterman. Yes. Let me, let me defend signing Nathan Peterman. A, there is no player that Oakland shouldn't take a chance on at this point because losing is just fine. Uh, you know, B, I was just going back and looking because I see everyone's got their jokes on the Internet, and I understand that. But going back and looking at the draft and what people said about Nathan Peterman, what his arm strength scores were, the type of offense that he played in, like I can see why the Bills liked some things about him. I think he just got into games and couldn't maybe process quick enough and got the ball out slowly. But if you look, NFL.com's draft profile, take a look at the quarterback that they compared him to you might be slightly familiar with him it's Kirk Cousins mm, we, we actually have uh, this is a 30 second clip from a Gruden quarterback camp with Nathan Peterman I see a guy that's well trained I, I see a dropping back to pass I see play action you're under the center you're in the gun you're in the pistol they move the pocket you're audibling you're in the huddle and, and you're getting results one of the things that I'm just trying to point out is we can call any play we want with you. He will be able to recognize route combinations, associate formations, and most importantly, he'll be able to get in a huddle day one and look at 10 grown men and tell them where to go and what to do. He's just a consistent, down-to-down performer. You can't go broke making a profit, and that's what you're going to get with Peter. Wow, that creeped me out at the end. That was <laughs> you know unnecessary. It's amazing foreshadowing. Woo. My my contention there on, on all of that, because I see he's getting mocked and everything, is that all of that was right about Nathan Peterman. And, you know, the, the other thing, too, that's funny is, are we assuming that the Bills make right decisions on quarterbacks and stuff? Like, oh, yeah, the Bills, they would never get rid of anyone good. Right? Like, of course they would. They're more dysfunctional and clueless than Oakland is. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be some superstar quarterback or anything. But all that stuff that Gruden is talking about, it sort of reeks of a journeyman backup type of quarterback that lots of guys know the game really well, don't quite have enough to be great starters. And if you could get one of those guys as a quality backup for a while, you might as well, especially if you like some of the stuff you saw in college. So, I, I, I mean, I get why everyone thinks it's so funny that Peterman was bad, but I, I don't see the joke with Oakland signing him. Football. Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com, and a fresh Purple Podcast episode just posted a few minutes ago, so go check it out. See, See ya. Matthew. Goodbye, friends. Goodbye. Goodbye, Matthew. Nathan Peterman, defender. Uh, Rich Gannon next, by the way. Yes, but before we get to Rich, it's time to talk to Mr. Mike. Becky and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 35W southbound in Bloomington. Uh, we'll head over there. That's because we got a crash between 90th Street and 94th Street. It's causing a 12-minute delay southbound on W. And also Highway 100 southbound. We still got that crash in Judd uh, Zolgad's neck of the woods in St. Louis Park between Minnetonka Boulevard and Highway 7. Uh, prepare for about an extra six minutes there. Football. 
I'm going to turn my mic on there. I'm a radio professional. The red, I know where the, the on button is. red is on, the yellow yeah. is off, but orange is cough. I have a potentially hot take for you, Rich Gannon. Are you ready for it? I love hot takes. All right. <laughs> awesome. I love that you love hot takes. <laughs> If I had to pick an AFC favorite right now, or you say, you know, gun to the head, your AFC representative in the Super Bowl, I'm picking the Los Angeles Chargers and Phillip Rivers. Your thoughts? Wow, that's not a uh, that's not a bad pick. You know, I you look at teams really in both conferences that have sputtered here a little bit down the stretch. Even the New Orleans Saints the other night, guys. You know, you look at the offense, and Drew Brees hasn't played as well. But you look at the Chargers. And they're firing on all cylinders right now. I think you look at, and they're doing it without the two top running backs. And so, uh, you know, that's pretty impressive. There's a good chance, obviously, that uh, the Chargers will get back Melvin Gordon this week. But Phillip Rivers, I've said this a number of times on this show, I think he's the best quarterback in all of football at throwing the ball from a muddy pocket. When there's push in his face, there's elbows, there's arms, there's and he just doesn't flinch. He doesn't have great mobility, but he's having an incredible year. No one's been able to cover Keenan Allen. And I think getting Joey Boza back a couple of weeks ago has really helped, uh, obviously, that defense and, and more importantly, uh, Melvin Ingram on the other side. So it's a really good – I think when you, know, you watch what they did to the Chiefs at Arrowhead, that was impressive. Rich, is the uh, stage growing slightly too big for Jared Goff in some ways as, as we get down to uh, crunch time in the season? I think so. You know, um, I think they were doing some things creatively in the beginning of the season, and I think their defense was playing lights out with uh, Aaron Donald and uh, and Dominican Sue. I think Sue slowed down a little bit, which shouldn't shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody uh, here in the, in the NFC North. But um, you know, I just offensively, I mean, you know, Todd Gurley is still a beast. They've got speedy receivers. They're not very complicated. But Goff has struggled, and I just uh, that that would have that would have me concerned. I'm sure it has Sean McVay concerned. He's not played well here the last month. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the NFC now that now that that has sort of happened to the Rams, and I don't know, maybe we're overreacting. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. They'll they'll tell us in the next couple of weeks. But uh, th- this thing feels so wide open with the Patriots faltering, and the Steelers are no sure bet to make noise in the playoffs, and I mean, the Bears are sitting at 10-4, and four and you don't know about Mitch Trubisky. So um, how wide open do you think this is when you look at both conferences for Super Bowl contention? I think it's really wide open. I go back to what happened with Philly last year, guys. They, they, when they lost Carson Wentz, most people felt like, you know, that they weren't going to really be able to do much in the postseason. Um, and, you know, that was a team that just got hot at the right time. You know, I go back to when Joe Flacco won his Bowl with the Ravens. You know, he got he caught a hot streak in the in the postseason. But you know, you look at Nick Foles, and that's what happened last year. And I think that could be a similar situation this year—a team that gets hot at the right time. And it wouldn't surprise anyone to see the Patriots play well in the postseason. But you know, Pittsburgh, Roethlisberger's kind of been up and down. Um, you know, the Houston Texans—I just don't know that. Uh, the quarterback is, is is quite ready for that. He's an, a dynamic player, but he struggles a little bit when you blitz him. Uh, I think Mahomes and the Chiefs could get hot. Um, I think you look at in the NFC, and I don't think anyone in the West. Uh, the Rams, to me, I just, you know, the, the quarterback's got me concerned. Uh, even Drew Brees has me concerned with the way he's playing. 
Uh, and I agree with you. You look at the Bears. The Bears' defense is going to have to carry him through the postseason because I'm not so sure I trust Mitchell Trubisky. He plays okay one week. The next week he struggles. And then, of course, um, you know, the NFC East is a mess right now. How about the Colts, Rich? Because they, they got off to, to that terrible start. But, man, luck is playing well now. Th- things have uh, stabilized there quite a bit. They're playing good football. How how concerning, if they can make the playoffs, uh, should teams be about the Colts? Can I brag on myself a little bit right now? I actually have the Colts this weekend, guys. There you go. Nice After game. Year. They gave you an actual team. I to do a Jacksonville and Washington last week. Oh, I got the God. Colts this week. Oh. But, you know, I've watched a bunch of their film. Um, I had them two weeks ago. They've won seven of the last eight games. I- I'll tell you why the Colts can be dangerous in the postseason. The Andrew Luck is back to being Andrew Luck. The offensive line, the addition of Quentin Nelson and, and-, and then, uh, Braden uh, Smith, the first and second round pick, th- these guys are really playing well, and Marlon Mack is running the ball a little bit. T.Y. Hilton is a home run hitter. But here's where they're better. Uh, this match, Eberflus, the defensive coordinator, a lot of people don't even know how to pronounce his name. He's done a terrific job. They've got they're getting good play from the front. This Darius Leonard has a good chance of being a defensive rookie of the year. Their second round pick, the linebacker, he makes it. He leads the National Football League in tackles. And and I think Frank Reich's done a terrific job. They're protecting, finally protecting Andrew Luck. And I wouldn't want to have to go to Indy to, to play the Colts in the postseason. Yeah, Rich Gannon with us here, Mackie and Judd, Football Hour. Um, yeah, it's been fun to see Andrew Luck because nobody knew what was going to happen after missing a full year last year. But so the so on, on the Vikings front, and they control their own playoff destiny. They fire John D. Filippo and uh, they hand the keys over to Kevin Stefanski, and they come out of the gate and score three touchdowns on their first three possessions, and they put forty one points up on the Dolphins. And I know that it's more than just play calling, but when it comes to play calling, what makes a great offensive coordinator slash play caller in your mind? Honestly, I think it starts with listening. I know that sounds crazy, but I think someone who's a good listener, obviously a good communicator, but I think you have to listen. I think you have to listen to the, the person you work for, the head coach. He's been screaming for, for months about having some balance and being able to run the football. Um, I, I think he took that to heart. Um, I would tell you that you got to be able to listen to your quarterback. you got to be able to build a game plan around what he does well. I mean, you look at um, you know the quarterback situation, you say, all right, well, you know what? What's Cousins doing well right now? What is he? What is, you know? What is he not doing well? Let, let's build a plan around that. I just think that you know to be able to run the ball for 220 yards and get nine sacks. I mean, you're going to win every time. And I just think that they could have some balance. And I just look at the ratio. You know, they threw it 21 times, and obviously the score had something to do with it. But they ran it 40 times, and that 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 starts to boil down to time of possession. Um, you know, you look at the third down. Uh, the, the Dolphins. You know, struggled uh, mightily, and, and you'd expect that when the quarterback can't set his feet, but just two of 12 on third down. So, to, to me, if they can keep this balance with the, with the way their defense is playing right now, and I think, you know, we talk about great play callers, and we talk about Sean Payton, Mike McCarthy, who was, you know, was for a decade was phenomenal. Um, there's some really good play callers, but how about Mike Zimmer, guys, yeah. as, you know, as maybe one of the best defensive play callers in football. He does a phenomenal job week in and week out. Ryan Tannehill would probably agree with that after the nine (laughs) sacks he took, most in the second half. It was a struggle (laughs) for the Dolphins. Say, Rich, as a quarterback, too, how important is it to have 
you know, to be able to offer your own input in terms of, you know, the game plan and, and what, what you guys may want to do offensively against a specific defense? It's so important. I mean, to be able to, you know, be able to go to a quarterback on Friday with a game plan and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking on third down. What are your thoughts? What do you like? What don't you like? You know, what? here's my thoughts in the red zone. You know, I had a play caller. I had a couple play callers. Bob Schnucker was pretty stubborn. I wasn't uh, far enough along to be able to have those type of conversations. Uh, but he wasn't really interested in a lot of feedback. There was, a, there was an offensive coordinator that was here for about a year, maybe four games, Jack Burns under Denny Green. He was here in 92, a part of 93. Uh, Jim McMahon got him fired, but he may have been the worst I had ever been around when it came to feedback. He was not interested in what you thought. He was not interested in what you liked. He only was interested in what he thought would work, and he was so stubborn. It was just it was ridiculous. So, you know, those type of guys don't last very long. You know, the, the most important thing, guys, in a critical situation, I always say don't think about plays. Think about players. You know, what what is Kirk Cousins like on third and five? You know, what is he good at? What does he have a history at? If I called a play in a critical situation that he's run a thousand times, he'll find me a completion. That's how you have to think as a play caller. And unfortunately, um, there's, a, there's a handful in this business that don't think that way. And Rich, why? Because that, that astounds me when, when you get a coordinator offensively who basically comes in and says, we're going to, or I'm going to run my system. And to your point, says, I don't care about who, who the players are. Why would you be that stubborn and negligent as to do that? That's the one thing I don't get about the sport at times. There's probably a good chance that he's never played the position. Um, there's a good chance that he's never really coached the position that long. If you look around our league, guys, there's, there's quality control coaches or guys that coach running backs or receivers. All of a sudden, you know, he coaches the quarterbacks for a year. Two, next thing you know, he becomes the play caller. And I'm, I'm not criticizing that. I mean, I think Kevin Stefanski is going to do a terrific job. And I think one of the reasons why he's going to do a terrific job is because of his background. I mean, he was a quality control coach. He coached receivers. He coached running backs. He's been coaching quarterbacks. I think he knows the offense. Uh, I think he's a great listener. It doesn't hurt that he went to my alma mater, my high school in Philadelphia. He's a smart, <laughs> he's a good Jesuit, Jesuit trained, a good, good man. And and uh, I, and I, think, I just think that's important. And I, I, Kevin doesn't have a big ego. It, it doesn't have to be about him. I think you watched the way he called that game against the, the, the Dolphins. He was, you know, I, it's one thing to talk about being a physical football team. It's another thing to practice and pads it's another thing to lower your pad level it's another thing to you know commit to a a, a run game and, and say look hey we're, we're going to pound the football off these guys and that's what the vikings did and that can really help the passing game it can help the play action game and it can certainly certainly help kirk cousins and just one last thing here too we we did an exercise before that game against the dolphins where if you actually it was we did this on monday if you pull up a list of quarterbacks you've thrown the most passes this year it's a who's who of either future Hall of Famers or MVPs. It's literally Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, uh, I think Andrew Luck was on the list, and Matt Ryan, former MVP, and then Kirk and then Kirk Cousins was fifth. And I'm not trying to, you know, not Kirk Cousins too much here, but if Kirk Cousins is throwing that many passes, unless you're trailing in every game and it's garbage time and you're and you're trying to you know come back in the fourth quarter, you're probably not balanced enough. That's it's well, not no- Aaron Rodgers. There's no reason for it when you look at the, the makeup of this football team, the roster. I mean, as good as they are defensively with guys that can rush and disrupt and guys that can cover, um, you know, you look at the, the, how they're built offensively. They've got two talented backs, and, you know, obviously Dalvin Cook goes over 100 for the first time. That, that's, that's insane. I mean, there's no reason we should be having this conversation 
you know, 15 games in that you know, 14 games in that this guy just goes over 100. I mean, you know, 19 carries. That when you look at the two of them that combined, you know, for you know, over 30 carries. To me, that's that's an ideal situation. It's not going to be that way every week, but boy, you'd like to be able to have you know some balance where you you're, you know you're, you're running the ball you know 28 to 33 times a game. To me, that that's that's going to be important, especially as we get into the postseason. Football. Yes. All right. Great stuff, Rich. Rich Gannon. Enjoy Andrew Luck this weekend. You guys are the best. See you, man. Talk to you soon. Rich Gannon. Got a good game this weekend. Yeah, Giants and, and Colts. Dude, the Colts were one and five. I still they were one and five. Another eight and six. Yes. I still don't get how they gave him the Jacksonville game last week. Yeah, they, he's been stuck with some bad. Well, in fairness, there's a lot of bad AFC games, and CBS has the AFC games. So um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap with Royce before the hour is over. Let's talk about Toyotathon for a second. Toyotathon is on at Luther Brookdale Toyota, six ninety four in Brooklyn Boulevard. With all kinds of great holiday season specials on some of the best vehicles in the world. We're talking about 0% financing for 60 months on a 2019 Highlander or 2018 Tundra. Um, $750 lease cash or $500 APR cash on a brand new 2019 Corolla hatchback. Uh, I'm in uh, 2016 or 17, 2016 Corolla, I want to say. And my lease expires in about six months, so I've got my radar up. For some of these new models, I love the new safety features, the new technology, the sleek exterior, and just the way that Toyotas in general give you peace of mind with their durability. And you combine that with the best service department in the Twin Cities. My friends in that uh, in that service department, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, they'll take care of you just like they've taken care of my family for 30 plus years. Luther Brookdale, Toyota.com. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500. ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. We normal. It's us. That was us last year. We got to carry it over. We know Costa Fancy ain't going to be no scared play caller. He's going to call it. going to call what he called. We got to go out and execute. And... Like I said, it's going to start with practice starting today. I love I love Dalvin. I mean, yes, it's the game plan they should have gone with. That was Dalvin Cook talking about how great the play calling was. Now that's us. Well, yeah, like, Gary, you get the ball 20 times. You're the uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Week, and you rack up, what, 160 total yards of offense. But, yeah, I don't expect them to run the ball 40 times again and give the ball to Dalvin Cook. Giving the ball to Dalvin Cook 20 times should be a standard, though. I, I don't think that's hard. I think you should give him yeah. the Give him the ball 20 times. Combination of rushing and receiving. Yeah. And yeah. last week it was 19 he, rushing, one receiving. They did target him twice. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very simple. He needs to be one of the most important pieces some way, and that can be through receiving or being handed the ball, needs to be one of the most important parts consistently of your offensive scheme. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that hard. The, the Stefan, Listen, Stefanski did a nice job, but it was the common sense game plan. Like, the game plans previously didn't make a lot of sense, and you knew, and early on, with Thielen and Diggs being your key guys, that made sense as well, but then you've got to account for, okay, defenses are going to look at those guys and be like, well, we're going to take them away, right? Yeah. And then you don't have your other, and then you didn't use um, um, Cook. Yeah, it. I don't know, it always, again, I like, I shy away from intricate play calling discussions because not me because it's hard to know as rich said i've never played the game and i'm more than happy to tell you what's wrong with it it's just so hard to know 
why a team is game planning the way they are. They put in a hundred hours of film watching and they have a reason for why they, they do stuff. And like, I'm, I'm sitting, what am I doing for a hundred hours a week? Like you know, sitting on my keister eating critiquing Christmas them. snacks or something. Yeah. And even I thought, I don't know, like DiFilippo doesn't feel very creative. It doesn't, it, it, if, if you can't target Adam Thielen, it must mean that something else is open. And like, what's the other thing that's open that, that it felt like defenses were very easily able to cover up all of the Vikings' weapons inexplicably. That's mm-hmm. what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you not able to... I get that it's Seattle, and you're playing these tough teams, and it is New England, but you're telling me that you can't score 20 points or at least move the ball between the 20s? I think there's a real issue, though, and I think Gannon's right, with a lot of people in sports, not just football, too, who look at what they believe is the blueprint for success and never look at the employees. Yeah, and they just think to themselves, well, no, this works. I've seen it work. Well, okay, but it, it might have worked at this store. But that doesn't mean it's the best thing for your new store. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's a lot of, of smart people who adapt and are are adjustable as well. But I do believe that for whatever, I mean, Brad Childress was this guy. He got here, and offensively, he said this system worked. The kick-ass offense comment was after the Packer game, in Green Bay, I believe, late 2006, when Seifert finally said, are you sure the system as you're doing it works? And he said, absolutely, it's a kick-ass offense. Yeah. When it's you, run properly. I think that's what I think that was a full quote, right? right. It was well, like, when, it was, when it's run properly. I would even defend him a little and say, oh, yeah, it was run properly by a Hall of Fame quarterback who, in fairness, would have run almost any offense, I'm sure, at a fairly high level. <laughs> but it's amazing how this offense can can give you flashbacks to that 2006 and 2007 Vikings team. And that 2006-2007 Vikings team, the best wide receivers were Bobby Wade and and uh, Travis, Travis Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. And the running back, well, they got Peterson in 2007, Chester but the running Taylor back was like, like an average running back. Chester Taylor was a nice player. And Brad Johnson was the quarterback. I would take this Kirk Cousins over that Brad Johnson. I would take this Kirk Cousins over that Tavares Jackson. And I would take this Kyle Rudolph over... Vasante Shanko in 2007 or 8, whenever they got him, and I don't even know who their tight end was in 2006. Ooh, I like Shank. Shank was Jerry Wiggins still there in 2006? Probably. Yes. I think he was, yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So, I mean, you could make the case then, wow, any offense would struggle with Bobby Wade, Chester Taylor, and right, Brad Johnson. But, but Childers' inability to look at that and say what's going to work and just say this works is the same thing that happened with this team. Yeah. And and they've got they got a nice little bang early on from the fact that Diggs and Thielen were fantastic. But you had to account for pretty quickly, they're going to go away. Like they're going to be doubled all the time. Okay, so when that happens, you've got Delvin Cook, right? Or you've yeah. got Rudolph, or you've got other components. And that was the frustrating thing is to watch that offense try and operate and not ever account for the fact that now you've got to go to other areas. What do you guys think happens with John D. Filippo now? He goes back to being a quarterback coach. Probably right. Some probably team. yeah. For I a mean, year, if you fail as a, I mean, if you fail at one job, your your next job is typically a step down, right? Yeah, yeah. unless it's a head coaching job that you like. Mike McCarthy will get a head coaching job. Yeah, I would, probably. I, I would think. Yeah, because he's got enough. He has a ring, know, I guess. Super Bowl and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. Most most guys, they if if a head coach gets fired, he goes. Yeah. His next job is usually being a coordinator. He goes back, right? Philly. I mean, how many coordinators get that second shot? If you get fired in season as a coordinator, in your first in in the first year, and he's yeah. now been, and he's now been fired from that job twice. Now, now Cleveland is a mulligan type of fire back then, but now it's twice, and it's probably legit. 
I forgot that he had the Cleveland. He was one year right. play calling. That's Manziel, right. But play, but listen, know, man. play calling, play calling is extremely difficult, and some people can't do it. Like it takes it takes the ability to process information incredibly quickly. You know what I would do if I was an offensive coordinator? I would literally like I I made the Tecmo Super Bowl joke earlier this week. Wouldn't it be fun? You got this huge menu of plays, and it sounds like this is what the Rams do. It's it's really not that many plays. It's just they disguise the look pre-snap. Oh, we're going to run motion over here, motion, but really yep. we're running the same play. Or we're going to put you know, we're going to put a tight end out wide instead, but it's really the same play to this wide receiver over here. Yep. I'd run like eight. I'd run a Tecmo Super Bowl menu of plays and then put different disguises on them, so my team knew hut, exactly hut, what they hut, were doing. Hut 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 hut. Well, I think the deal huts. with the deal with Peyton Manning in Indianapolis for so many years is that they basically came out in almost the same formation every time you know they would call sort of a concept of what they wanted to do and then Peyton would get to the line and he'd call some audible and and he'd change mm-hmm. Reggie Wayne's route it'd be something completely different and he would just do it on the fly but they would be I think the, if I remember the Colts never sent guys in motion ever like I don't remember ever seeing like Marvin Harrison or Reggie Wayne ever go in motion yeah it was so much fun to watch Peyton Manning conduct at the line of scrimmage yeah just get up there. That's what I said. The great quarterbacks look like point guards. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins does not. But you think of Brady, Rodgers, Manning. Those guys dish the ball off so quick, they look like point guards. Yep. We wrap with Royce from the TCL Broadcast Studios next. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. Yeah, I think they're playing a lot better. They're doing a much better job against the run inside. They cover the three guards a lot. Walk up Canard uh, on the on the uh, end of the line of scrimmage. So they're playing a four down front, but it's really a three four principles with what they're doing. You know, the two safeties get involved. The two linebackers are downhill guys. They're not giving up very many big runs. You know, they're giving up some short short. You know, and there might be eight, but they've done a nice job with that. Uh, Mike Zimmer talking about football. Anthony Barr, Pro Bowl for the fifth straight year. Pat. Where in the pantheon of things you care about does the Pro Bowl and Pro Bowl uh, Pro Bowl uh, announcements like we had last night rank? Well, I'm always amazed at the stupidity. Sometimes that's always interesting. That you know, people complain about media and writers voting for things, and then you see the players have a lot of clout and they could throw up a one car parade. You know, they. Uh, I used to fill out uh, gold glove ballots with players for the Twins, and I basically have to vote for all 25 of them because none of them knew who the hell played where. But uh, and that you know, Anthony Barr. Uh, you know, okay, he's had a couple. Good games lately, but how does this happen? I, I don't get it. When Patrick, when do you think Harper and Machado sign? Are we getting close here, or is this oh, just no. going to drag on? No, no, uh, Steve. Uh, I mean, Scott Boris isn't going to sign until he gets his number. You know, until he gets the three fifty. So uh, he'll just wait. He's in, he's never in any hurry. Middle of, middle of January, that'll be fine. Yeah. So uh, you know, I don't know. Now I got a, I got a couple of issues here. Yeah. One issue, and Manny can confirm this. I, I was listening to uh, uh, Rich Gannon's uh, segment because I was in the car, and uh, at, at the end, Rich Gannon told you two guys that you're the best. 
And Manny, didn't he used to tell us that we were the best? He did, yes. <laughs> I, he I did. got there's some insincerity. In, in one of those two cases, there's insincerity. I'm well, not sure which well, one. Well, wait, is. wait. What if, what if he thought you were the best last <laughs> and, year, and yeah, now that we've I, formed well, a bond? Cool. That could and be. the checks are going through. That could be that <laughs> You're the best. discovered that uh, there was a higher level of best. That, that could be it. The, o- the only way to sniff it out is to figure out which other radio stations around the country he does hits for, <laughs> and eavesdrop in <laughs> on the end of, of the interviews. Find out if some of those guys he tells them they're the best. But, uh, you know, hey, it's I Wacky Jim and Bill I, in the morning here on... Uh, you guys are the best. <laughs> I always appreciated the platitude, but now I feel a little yeah. less, uh, you know, proud. It I, was I, hollow, Pat. It was very <laughs> hollow. I, I hate to inform you of that. Rich Rich also, also sometimes will come on and after what he considers to be a good question, say, great question. And my, right. part, my partner today... I called my shot my today. My partner today... God. Said, 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 wait, wait for it. I'm going to get a great question today, and was very disappointed when it did not happen. We we never never had one. We celebrate behind the scenes whenever we get a great question from a guest, and uh, I called my shot today. But I and another issue is uh, I think uh, (laughs) Racy and Judd unchanged changed has had four weeks, but only about 23 days, right? Like 23 days since the first one. Yeah, and when we had the first one. Judd Zolgad was planning the wild uh, parade. He was finally on the bandwagon that this team was absolutely, you know, they convinced him. They were ready to roll. It was fantastic. And now he wants to burn it up, man. He, you know, You're breaking up. I'm sorry about that. Hold on. Reception's breaking up. Sorry, it's, you're, it's not you're Judd break, with the scissors. You're breaking up. Yes, and uh, back. you know now did they not have a two-game stretch about a week ago where they got twelve goals? Yeah, we were at one of them. Yeah, five and seven, and now now they get shut out by San Jose, and uh, with uh, the you know Burns and Carlson on the back end and voted uh, roster, and that's it. We've had it. They, like, they've lost ten of sixteen, Pat, and and they did score twelve goals. They outscored Montreal and Florida twelve to two. In two games, but Montreal was as uninterested in being playing hockey as the Dolphins were in playing that, football on Sunday. That's the same old crap about hockey. But if they don't, if you beat somebody, uh, you know, by five to one, then they didn't care. It's it's a it's a random game, and uh, you know, hang in there for another week. They might go on a road trip and win three in a row. Now we'll now we'll want to be adding another superstar like Hansel. Not enough toughness, right, Pat? That's what they always say. Not enough toughness. Yeah, not enough toughness. Didn't work hard enough. But, Pat, I will say that your guy, Tibbs, he loves talking about toughness. We have to have a toughness. We showed a lot of toughness. Yes, we do. But, uh, by the way, that was a a great tip that Levitard had today because, obviously, (laughs) you know, they love to give Van Gundy a hard time about not knowing about anything but basketball when he's on. I think he's uh, at least once a week, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so they were giving him hell about it, pop culture, apparently. And he said, well, who do you know more? Who Who is even worse than you on pop culture? And he must obviously said tips. So they ended up getting tips on. It was a pretty good bet, I thought. That was great. Yeah, we uh, yeah. we we went Mystery Science Theater three thousand and played the whole it. thing. Yeah, it. it was great. <laughs> it was great. Yes, and uh, what ended up in a did Tibbs end up winning because he yeah, got he Spotify? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's Spotify. I, I like what the, yeah. que- the question was, okay, whoever answers first wins. And the question was, what is Spotify? And it was like <laughs> 10 seconds of dead silence. Yeah, and Tibbs goes, said, it's music. music. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure, I didn't know. You didn't know? I didn't know what Spotify Have was. Have you heard of Spotify? Oh, I I've heard of it. I would have gotten, gotten that one. I would have definitely got Ashton uh, Kutcher's new wife because I'm very sad about that. I, I thought she was holding out for but, well, uh, Ashton Cycle, yeah. if you can hang around for another eight years or so, Pat, Ashton Cycles through him pretty quick. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's uh, he's definitely upgraded from Demi. Let me tell you. He's, uh, he's definitely upgraded. But that's the thing to report, guys. My grandkids, you know, I used to live in Florida. And now they live in uh, Woodbury and play hockey over on the east side. So I decided to leave Gold Valley at 410 this afternoon at Doug Woog Arena. Oh. For a five fifty game. Yeah, only took about an hour and twenty five minutes. It was yeah. easier to go see the kids when they lived in Delray Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, oh Pat's Pat's phone is <laughs> breaking up. But yeah, if he would have been better off, he could have got halfway there on a flight for an hour and a half. <laughs> was <laughs> it really worth it? Well, let's see. That's my question. Did I, Pat, do we got me? you? Got you back there? Okay, your uh, reception kind of cut out. And they observation. I went to my first hockey games at Wood Arena, which is, used to be Wakoka Arena, years ago. Concord Avenue. Ah, dang. Phone's cutting out too much. Yeah. <laughs> Get the story tomorrow, maybe? Yes. Yeah, we'll we only have like a minute left, so let's... Yeah. Okay. We, l- let's hear the... L- I'm assuming he made the trek, so let's get the recap from him tomorrow. Yeah. No, he definitely, yeah, definitely did. <laughs> Well, that's, that's why he's been listening that's to That's what he heard me say, blow the wild But he can't make the joke anymore that you guys were still on the air. I guess he kind of he kind of just did, though. Yeah, because we <laughs> were not on... four hours anymore. I got in my car. I drove to Woodbury. Got gas nine times. He... Sat in rush hour traffic. You remember the time he got sick and decided to inform us? I didn't feel well. I threw up. <laughs> I took a nap. Came into the office still. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he did pull the... I went to the airport. I checked my bags. I went through TSA. I flew to Fort Myers. I turned on the app, and you guys were still on the air. Still on the air. <laughs> but we weren't on Spotify. We were the Carl Pavano of 1500 ESPN, baby. He didn't 230 take- mediocre innings. He loves this guy, Tibbs, though. He didn't take to my uh, Tibbs' toughness. No, no he just cut right through that. Right. We have to have a toughness. We showed a lot of toughness down the stretch. I thought our team did show toughness, the mental toughness. Some mental toughness and their so toughness. You need toughness. toughness. You need toughness. We have to develop our mental toughness. Bring a lot of toughness <laughs> to our team. It makes our team very tough. you got to bring a toughness. Build mental toughness. We have to be mentally tough. we got to play tough down the stretch. They're all tough. Every loss is tough. So tough. We're looking to add wings. <laughs> Oh my and, now, and now we, we've got to pull that devilish laugh that, that he gave at the end of his appearance today. There's just a really weird yeah. laugh that we got to pull yeah. off from Tibbs. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're done. Um, we're back tomorrow, and if you missed any of the show today, you can find it on demand anywhere you would find Mackie and Judd. You can also find this week's episode of Roycey and Judd unchained, unhinged, and fully clothed at 1500ESPN.com. Oh.